Don't touch that dial. It's the American Grooves Radio Hour with your host, Joe Lauro. Another bride, another June, another sunny honeymoon, another season, another reason for making whoopee. A lot of shoes, a lot of rice, the groom is nervous, he answers twice, it's really killing that he's so willing to make whoopee. Picture a little love nest down where the roses cling. Picture the same sweet love nest. Think what a year can bring. He's washing dishes and baby clothes. He's so ambitious. Even so, but don't forget, folks, that's what you get, folks, for making whoopee. Another year, or maybe less, what's this I hear? Well, can't you guess? She feels neglected. And he's suspected of making whoopee. She sits alone most every night. He doesn't phone or even write. He says he's busy, but she says, is he? He's making whoopee. He doesn't make much money. Five thousand dollars. Some judge who thinks he's funny Says you pay six to her He says, now judge, suppose I fail The judge says, but right into jail You'd better keep her You'll find it's cheaper than making whoopee Good evening, folks. Joe Lauro here, making whoopee for y'all on Sunday night, every Sunday night at 10. And tonight, American Grooves Radio Hour will be exploring and listening to music that was made popular and successful at the Ziegfeld Follies, Florence Ziegfeld's show that ran from about 1907 to 1931. He passed away in 1932 in Hollywood and was considered the gold standard of 
theatrical Broadway reviews for all of those years. There were many other reviews at the time, George White's Scandals, Earl Carroll's Vanities, but all of them were second fiddle to the great Ziegfeld and his shows. And so many great stars of the day did a stint or two in a Ziegfeld review. People began their careers with Ziegfeld, or they had Actually, all of them had careers earlier, but appearing in the Ziegfeld Follies was something that made their careers. Much like in the 50s and 60s, appearing on the Ed Sullivan show was really the number one entertainment spot that you could possibly achieve to. Now, that was Eddie Cantor singing the original version of Whoopi. Now, Whoopi was not a Ziegfeld Follies song, but it was from Ziegfeld's production of a show from 1928 called Whoopi. It was a Ziegfeld show with all of Ziegfeld's high standards, and it made Eddie Cantor a household name at the time. Nobody knows who he is now, but folks, this was 95 years ago. Eddie Cantor's version of Making Whoopi. Now, Cantor, a, uh, a singing waiter originally from the Lower East Side of Manhattan, went into vaudeville. He was with a very famous kid show at the time, a kid review uh, that George Jessel and so many other entertainers appeared for. It was called Gus Edwards Newsboys. And from the Gus Edwards review, Gus Edwards was also a songwriter. What? We're departing. Let me get back on track here. Anyway, Cantor, after doing some years in vaudeville as a juvenile, as a kid, singer and actor, then became an adult. And by the time he was 23 years old, he was starring in The Follies. And here is just a bit of his actual first recording. And it is a song that he sang, original cast, in the 1917 Ziegfeld Follies. That's the kind of a baby for me. Folks that live next door to me have a brand new baby, and it nearly drives me wild when they rave about that child. All I ever hear her do is cry. But there's another baby, as cute as she can be, moved in today across the way at number 63, and she's made a hit with me. She's got a dog and cat, a great big picture hat, and all the boys just call her baby. She's got a dainty style, a little baby smile, the kind that makes you want to stick around a while. She's got those dreamy eyes, and every time she sighs, you forget your family. Other evening in a cabaret we spent And when I saw the check I thought it was the rent But when the waiter came She simply signed her name That's the kind of a baby for me She's got a dog and cat A great big picture hat All the boys just call her baby She's got a bungalow Down where the breezes blow and everything essential for a Ziegfeld show. She's got those dreamy eyes, and every time she sighs, you forget your family. Last night I said my bankroll was an awful wreck. 
he tossed a thousand dollar alimony check. He said, now wait, don't speak. I get them twice a week. That's the kind of a baby for me. And don't you know that her father is retired? He doesn't have to toil. He made a million dollars out of standard oil. And gee, she's his only child. And mama, she's awfully wild. That's the kind of a baby for me. She's got a dog and cat, a great big picture hat. All the boys just call her baby. She's got an aeroplane, a summer home in Maine. And diamond that was set a fellow most in face. She has a classy pose. She wears classy clothes. Her gowns all come from gay Paris. Last night she said, we'll go home in this limousine. Gee, I couldn't buy a pint of gasoline. But she ran down my spine. She said, why, this car is mine. That's the kind of a baby for me. Oh, you got 
Gus Van and Joe Shank, who were big stars in their time and appeared in the Follies of 1920 and 21. They're a little bit later. That recording was made, uh, Get Out and Get Under the Moon, a pop song from 1927. But they were the classic harmony vaudeville singers. That style of interplay that you heard in the last verse where Gus Van, who had the lower voice, is singing the melody, and Joe is singing a counterpart melody, much like the relationship between a trumpet and a clarinet in a Dixieland recording. One is singing the melody, the other's kind of dancing around it, and it's really such a beautiful effect. Now, they did not uh, originate that. It's such an, it really epitomizes today vaudeville duet singing. It really does. But we're going to go back to actually the first Follies, 1907-1908, and the big stars of those Follies were Jack Norworth and Nora Bays. Bays and Norworth, and they recorded around 1910. And that whole counterpart vaudeville harmony, I think, really originated with them. And I'm just going to play you the last verse of a recording that they made of a song called Come Along My Mandy. But it shows you that lovely vaudeville style, which Van and Skank were doing 15 years later till the end of their career. So here's Bays and Norwith in 1910. They were appearing at the Follies at the time. Come along, my Mandy. Just that last verse. A little lesson on vaudeville harmony singing. Now, where else are you going to get that but the American Grooves Radio Hour? Who cares? I do. Hopefully you do. We're going to keep doing crazy stuff like that. Hey, that 1927 Ziegfeld Follies was among the greatest. And what I'm going to play for you now is a medley recorded on the Victor label that year of highlights from that show. It's a two-sided 12-inch record, so it actually runs about seven minutes. But what's really special about this, besides the wonderful arrangement of all the tunes in that show, you have some original cast members. The Brock's sisters, three little girls who were harmony singers who appeared in that show are on this recording, as is the tenor singer Franklin Bauer who appeared in that show. And you'll hear them in the medley of 1927 Ziegfeld Follies. And what's more, the music of that edition of the Follies was written by no one other than Irving Berlin. (laughs) 
What would I do if it were you? They give me food, and that is why I went and had my fortune read. Someone to blame, someone to blame, the gypsy said. But she wouldn't say, she wouldn't tell me just who, baby, it's you. They give me food, baby, it's you. Thank you. 
medley of tunes from the 1927 Ziegfeld Follies as played by the RCA Victor Orchestra. Actually, at the time, it was still just Victor, the Victor Orchestra, before the merger with RCA. You know, so many different performers really made it at the Follies, and that really catapulted them to the highest echelons of the show business at the time, and one who really made it at the Follies. There's so many but one of my favorites, Fanny Bryce. Fanny Bryce, also from the Lower East Side, an immigrant with parents from Eastern Europe, and a Yiddish dialect was incorporated by Fanny, who was actually quite a sophisticated woman, but she used that sort of character dialect throughout her career with the Follies, and you know, and it began somewhere like 1908. But here she is, one of her most endearing songs of that sort of character nature, uh, from the Follies of 1922, Second Hand Rose. <laughs> Once I was rolling through the ring, a woman got 
not my goat. I'm not a friend in Saddle. The goat my left is home. Everyone knows that I'm just second hand Sorry, folks, I know it was a different world, light years away from today, but that is just funny. I love that. I love that first. Even Jakey Cohen, he's the man I adore, had the noive to tell me he's been married before. Everyone knows I'm only secondhand Rose of Second Avenue. It's just funny. You know, the Follies performers also appeared in skits. So not only would they do their musical numbers, but they also would appear in little little non-musical scenes. And there were comedians at the Follies as well, not just singers. Uh, there were people like Will Rogers and people like Savoy and Brennan who appeared. And they were, you know, they could sing, but they were really known as stand-up comedians. At the time, I don't think that phrase was used, but that's what they did. They would have routines. And Savoy and Brennan, really interesting. They were in the Follies of 1918. Bert Savoy, in particular, uh, born Everett McKenzie, uh, he specialized in cross-dressing as a vaudeville act. And his skits contributed to popular culture with phrases that were very popular at the time, like, you slay me, and you don't know the half of that. And these were part of his routine, and we're going to play the only recording that he ever made. Uh, tragically, in the early 1920s, he, he was at Jones Beach in a nice summer day and was struck by lightning. And that was the end of him. Uh, his partner um, went on to be a Hollywood screenwriter for many, many years, mainly working for Warner Brothers. But here is Savoy and Brennan forming one of their popular skits. You don't know the half of it. What's the hurry? What's the hurry? Where are you going? Are you speaking to me? Are you speaking to me? Are you speaking to me? Yes, I was going to ask you to have something to eat. Well, who frightened you? Well, uh, where have you been? Shopping? No, Marcy and I went to the matinee. We went to the matinee. Oh, I was mad over it. We went to the matinee. Just you and Marty? No, I met a lovely fellow in the lobby. He was fussy, but he was a lovely fellow. Was he a New York boy or something? No, else? he was a college boy. He wasn't in college. He was a college boy. Well, how do you know? He had a Yale lock in his pocket. <laughs> So you must have had a wonderful trip to Europe last Oh, time. I'm glad. I'm glad you asked me. And some very thrilling... Oh, you don't know the half of it, dearie. You don't know the half of it. Tell me of some of your experience. Oh, listen, you know, one night when the ship was in mid-ocean, it stopped. Yes? Just then the captain came along, and Mars said, what's the matter? Mom. And the captain said the rudders broke. Well, and I'll never forget Marsy if I did. <laughs> Go on, the captain said the rudders broke. And what did Margie say? Margie says, 
that's all right. It's underneath. Nobody will notice it. <laughs> well, I'll bet you had lots and lots of fun on deck. Oh, every else. night we get in deck and tell stories. Yes. And you know, the captain told us about a man who once took his wife out in a boat and threw her overboard. So he was the fruit. He said every time she'd come up, he'd hit her over the head of the yard. Oh. Every time she'd come up, he'd hit her. Oh, my. Now, I'll never forget Marjorie. Thank <laughs> heaven I was heavily veiled. Go on. He said that every time she came up, he hit her over the head with the oar. And what did Margie say? Margie says she was a fool to come up. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you met lots of interesting people on yes, the boat. Yes, but Marge ruined the whole party. She ruined the whole party. How did she do it? Sunday morning in the music room, she's playing a rag on the piano. Well, she should have known better. And some minister said, Miss... Don't you know the Ten Commandments? And? Now, you, you know it. I, you know <laughs> Come on, the minister says, don't you know the Ten Commandments? And what does Margie say? Margie says, whistle the first three or four bars and I'll follow you. <laughs> well, uh, did you get seasick? I didn't, but Margie did. Well, I sympathize. Oh, I felt sorry for her. Oh, oh they give her everything but the anger to keep her quiet. Well, no wonder. Oh, when they get off the boat, they had to take a taxi. Everybody thought she was drinking. Yeah. Heaven knows they just had a few harmless nips. Just a few harmless nips. Well, what made them think she was drinking? Well, she stepped in one door of the taxi and fell out the other. <laughs> and? and she said, how much do I owe you? <laughs> Lone Shark and Interest Town. I have addressed every form of organized graft in the United States, uh, excepting Congress. So it's naturally a pleasure to me to uh, appear before the biggest. You are without a doubt the most disgustingly rich audience I ever talked to, with the possible exception of the bootleggers' uh, union, local number one, combined with the enforcement officer. Now, I understand you hold this uh, convention every year to announce what the annual gyp will be. I have often wondered uh, where the depositors hold that convention. I had an account in the bank once, and the banker he asked me to withdraw it. That I used up more red ink and the account was worse. I see where your wife come with you. You notice I say come, not uh, were brought. I see where your convention was opened by a prayer. You had to send outside your ranks to get somebody that knew how to pray. You should have had one creditor there. He'd have shown you how to pray. I noticed uh, in the prayer the clergyman announced to the uh, Almighty that the bankers were here. Well, it wasn't uh, exactly an announcement. Uh, it was uh, more in the nature of a warning. He didn't tell the devil, as uh, he figured to. He knew where you all were all the time, anyhow. I see by your speeches that you are very optimistic of the business conditions of the coming year. Boy, I don't blame you. <laughs> If I had your dough, I'd be optimistic, too. Will you please tell me what you all do with the vice president the bank has? I guess uh, that's to get uh, 
anybody more discouraged before you can see the main God. Well, the United States is the biggest business institution in the world. They've only got one vice president. Nobody's ever found anything for him to do. I've met most of you as I come out of the stage door of the Follies every night. And I want to tell you, any of you that are capitalized at under a million dollars needn't hang around there. Our girls may not know their Latin and Greek, but they certainly know their Dunn and Bradstreet. You have a wonderful organization. I understand you have uh, 10,000 here, and with what you have in the various federal prisons brings your membership up to around 30,000. Well, goodbye, paupers. You're the finest bunch of Shylocks that ever foreclosed the mortgage on a widow's home. Will Rogers from the Follies of 1921, a little talk with the bankers. Topical humor. I don't think things have changed very much, unfortunately. But Will Rogers began as a roping artist. He would, you know, he would do tricks with a lariat. And then he started speaking and talking, and he had a wonderful way of telling stories. And that became a big part of his act. He became a monologuist, and he appeared in the Follies for many, many years. And in fact, there was a Broadway show of Will Rogers' Follies back in the 90s, I believe. Uh, uh, Keith Carradine, I believe, was in that role. But that was the original Will Rogers in a skit that he actually performed at the Follies in the early 1920s. If you're just tuning in, this is Joe Lauro, and you're listening to the American Grooves Radio Hour right here on WLIW-FM 88.3 on your radio dial, where we only play original old 78s. And tonight is our Tribute to the Ziegfeld Follies, Florence Ziegfeld Showman, some of the shows and all the stars that we could muster that appeared in those great shows for 25 years. And we've, you know, the Follies went on after Ziegfeld's deaths. Uh, there were a couple of films made and, and other editions of the Follies, but we're cutting it off uh, in 1931 with shows that were actually produced with Ziegfeld. We're playing some really early acoustical recordings, a little thinner sounding than uh, recordings that were made after 1925-26. They were done in a horn. People would literally scream or sing or shout into a horn. There were no electronics, no microphones, and that's why they have kind of a no bass response tinny sound. But hey, if you can't hear these types of recordings on American Grooves Radio Hour, I don't know that there's another radio station that will play them. So indulge me. It's history. And tonight is a historic show of the Ziegfeld Follies. Marx Brothers never appeared in the Ziegfeld Follies, but their uncle, Al Sheen, did. And Al Sheen, who I believe was Minnie Marx's brother, I might, if Marx Brothers fans uh, might correct me, but I believe uh, Minnie, who was the Marx Brothers stage mother, who really pushed them in the early years of their career, used, used her connections with her brother to help the young Marx Brother boys, particularly Groucho and Chico, early in their careers. But Sheen, Al Sheen, 
with his partner Gallagher, Gallagher and Sheen, were the stars of the 1923 Follies. And I think that came about because they had a hit record that sold so many copies. Back then, if the record sold anywhere near a million copies, it was considered a tremendous hit. They were vaudeville stars, quite successful, even before they made it to the Follies. But their career was really established by this particular song, uh, Positively Mr. Gallagher, Absolutely Mr. Sheehan. Good morning, Mr. Gallagher. Good morning, Mr. Sheehan. There is something that is troubling me. That is very plainly seen. Mr. Gallagher, I'm a simple man. I never yell or shout. Mr. Sheehan, if you will confide in me, I'll try and help you out. Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, hello. Mr. Gallagher. Well, well, well. Do you think it's wrong for a man to strike his wife? Strike his wife before she goes out every night. Then come home and start the fight. Is a man supposed to stand the treatment all his life? Well, no, Mr. Sheehan. Mr. Sheehan, a man who raised his hand to his wife is low and mean. If it's more than you can stand, remember, never use your hand. Do diplomacy, Mr. Gallagher. Use a sandbag, Mr. Sheehan. Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, hello. Mr. Gallagher. I'm coming. There was a tiny Negro baby born last night. No, yes. Just as black as ink, weighed a half a pound, I think. How can a baby be so dark and yet so light? Ha ha! Why, Mr. Sheehan, Mr. Sheehan, that is the funniest color scheme I've ever seen. But I know a hen as black as night, and she can lay a snake that's white. Why, that's nothing, Mr. Gallagher. No, can you do it, Mr. Sheehan? Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, I am here. Mr. Gallagher. Well, what is it? Every morning in the bathroom, I reduce. You reduce? I bend forward up and down. Every day, I lose a pound. The only to the clothes I own is getting loose. You be careful, Mr. Sheehan. Mr. Sheehan, exercising in the bathroom quite a steam. When you bend over, have a care if there's a radiator there. Oh, there is one, Mr. Gallagher. Be sure and face it, Mr. Sheehan. Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, hello. Mr. Gallagher. Yes, yes, yes. Woman's right is turning out to be a joke. How do you know? They've been given the right to vote. But doesn't it get you a vote in public places now? Did a man the right to vote? You don't know the half of it, Mr. Sheehan. Why, Mr. Sheehan? They also love to gamble on the green. Why, they indulge in games of chance. Where you can lose your shirt and pants. I'm thinking of women, Mr. Gallagher. That makes no difference, Mr. Sheehan. Baby, 
Till you're sweet as can be First you treat me nice Then you're cold as ice You're a puzzle to me Good little, bad little you What makes you tease like you do I look into your angel eyes They're little devils in disguise One little, two little lips I crave They lead me on, then they say behave And who, who knows it too Good little, bad little you from Cliff Edwards' ukulele Ike. He appeared in the Follies in 1927, way before he became Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio. But that was Cliff Edwards' ukulele Ike with a great little band. Uh, Closing it out was Jovenuti on fiddle and Eddie Lang chomping fours away with him. And, you know, gosh, there were so many different people that were in the Follies that you might not have realized. And here uh, is the Paul Whiteman Orchestra at the very beginning of their career. They, you know, they really catapulted to success around 1921 with the release of this record. And it was performed at the Follies in 23, the Japanese Sandman. <laughs> Thank you. 
great Paul Whiteman Orchestra right around the time in 1923 they were appearing in the Ziegfeld Follies. Folks, this is Joe Lauro, American Grooves Radio Hour, and you are listening to WLIW-FM Southampton over the air at 88.3, serving Eastern Long Island and Southern Connecticut, 96.9 in Western Suffolk, ah, a new addition, and streaming at WLIW.org backslash radio on your favorite streaming platforms. Please tune in next week. We're running out of time. I think we got time for one more. And um, I wanted to, I really wanted to talk about this. I thought we'd have a bit more time, but we don't. But sadly, there weren't too many African-American stars or performers in the Follies. The first one and most famous was Burt Williams, who uh, performed in the Follies from as far back as 1910. To the, around the time he died in 1922, but African Americans were really overlooked at the time on Broadway. It is a sad part of our history and one you can't really overlook. But fortunately, around 1931, the final Ziegfeld edition of The Follies, before he passed away, Buck and Bubbles, uh, an amazing tap dancing, singing, piano playing duet appeared in that 1931 Follies. And I'd like to end tonight's broadcast with the only recording ever made by Buck and Bubbles right around the time they were appearing in the Follies. Actually, maybe just a year or two later. Buck and Bubbles, Sweet Georgia Brown. Folks, I hope you tune in next week. Good night. <laughs> got here yesterday things are hot here now they say there's a big change in town gals are jealous there's no doubt still the fellows rave about sweet sweet georgia brown and ever since she came the colored folks all claim no gal maid has got a shade on sweet Georgia Brown. Two left feet, but also oh neat as sweet Georgia Brown. They all sigh and wanna die for sweet Georgia Brown. I'll tell you just why. You know I don't lie, not much. It's been said she knocks them dead when she lands them down. Since she came, why it's a shame how she cools them down. Fellow, she can't get our fellow. She ain't met Georgia claimed her. Georgia named her sweet Georgia Brown. to you weekly on WLIW-FM Southampton, 88.3 on your radio dial, and at WLIW.org, and all streaming formats.